You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Well, good morning, South Bay. It's good to see everybody here today. Sounds like some of you maybe wish you were somewhere else. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't have to show up this morning, and we are one hour into the Steelers-Bengals game, and I do not want to know the score, but yes, I am representing. <clears throat> do want to uh, just really, I'm encouraged to be here. It's so great being able to see each and every one of you. Shout out to our worship team, our tech team, for all the time, energy, and effort that goes into making our services awesome. Want to say hello to you at home. It's great to have you uh, visiting with us here today. And I do want to thank the congregation for all the prayers for uh, Elaine Johnson. I I don't know if you guys, how many of you have seen her progress on Instagram? It is absolutely amazing. This is what I love about Calvin. I mean, he was pretty meticulous with the way he broke things out and all the specifics he wanted prayed for. But I think to date, everything that he asked for, God delivered on not just within the time frame, but even quicker. So thank you, each and every one of you, for your concern and the meals that are being provided there. I do want to just kind of jump right into things this morning. And uh, we're gonna, our primary text today is going to be coming out of Acts 3. But as followers of Christ, the thing I love about what I'm a part of is the purpose is much bigger than myself. You know, there's jobs, there's so many different things that we can be doing that consume our time, but being able to look out at each and every one of you and understand, you understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and the opportunity that we've been given because of God's love for us is basically the thing that we're going to be looking at here today. As followers of Christ, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.11 that we have this amazing dual citizenship. That we're living as aliens and strangers in our homelands, but with our ultimate citizenship being that of being able to spend eternity with God in heaven. We're citizens of heaven. And I I don't know about you, but uh, that should have a profound impact on the way we live our lives, the choices we make, the priorities in our lives, where we look for fulfillment, how we treat others, and the ability to find shalom true peace in a world of warring empires. You know, I really am uh, grateful for the time we spent in uh, going down the path of what it means to be emotionally healthy spiritually. That whole EHS that we had the opportunity to go through, that has an amazing impact on me. It helps me slow my roll in a number of different situations. But I am telling you, if there's anything in California that will make me struggle outside of the humidity that we're currently dealing with, is drivers. You know, and I, it, was, uh, it was kind of interesting. I had the, uh, one of the situations I was grateful, for, I'm trying to remember if it was Sergio or Rhett, one of them was on the phone with me, and I was at uh, Carson Boulevard turning right on Hawthorne. And I'm on the right, all the way to the right lane, they've got a little pop out to turn right in, and this, this elderly woman steps out in front of me into the crosswalk, which, amen, I was aware of it, I didn't hit her, I didn't even infringe on the crosswalk. You know, and she's walking with a cane, and it's taking her a little while to, you know, uh, to just get across the street. Well, the person behind me honks at me several times, but this is the most crazy thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. She pops to the left of me, 
pulls out and turns right in front of me in between this elderly woman and myself. I'm like, are you kidding me? And you know, of course, first thing that went through my mind is where the heck's a cop when you need one? I mean, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a viol, it was a moving violation, the whole left, right in front of me, not to mention the situation with somebody being in the crosswalk. But I'll, I'll, you know, like I said, I'll get into it here this morning. I was struggling just a tad, but I do remember sitting there. Rhett, were you on the phone with me? Where, where's Rhett at? Okay, it must have been Sergio. I just remember, okay, need to cleanse the mind. Just take a deep breath. And then she pulled up alongside of me, and I looked at her like, and she started to roll down the window. I was like, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> just as you were, I'm on my way. Uh, I do appreciate it. Even the, uh, just Brian kind of kicking us off here four weeks ago with, the various things we've looked at as a family of God, as Christians, you know, this whole feast and family, uh, things that we deal with, the, the things that connect us, shadows of the empire, escaping the deceptions, there's so much going after us today. But I am so grateful that I'm a part of a group like this that helps me stay grounded through it all. Um, you know, I'm really excited about Brian's, uh, the current chapter he's in as a teacher, being part of the teacher's task force, uh, um, Brian, is that uh, just North America or globally? Where'd Brian go? Uh, he stepped out of here? <laughs> Amen. Oh, there he is. <laughs> I was just bragging on you, Brian. Um, sorry you missed it, but anyway. And then last week we looked at the uh, community of prayerful love with Rhett, you know, deepening our connection with God and asking each other the question, I loved it, what church is it? And the, your guys' responses, the stuff that you shared were, was amazing. And then obviously transitioning into what church is and that the bottom line is it's a community of deep spiritual relationships. That's the goal. That's what we're striving for and really understanding that without that, this is something we need. We need that degree of connectivity especially if we're going to witness the restoration of all things. And again, our primary text this morning will be coming out of Acts 3. Now, Acts, uh, we've got Luke who wrote the book of Luke and Acts, the Acts of the Apostle, which is an overview. I mean, we obviously have the gospel, a little bit different perspective in that Luke was a physician, more than likely a Gentile physician, a little bit different perspective, and it's amazing to see how God used him. And he wasn't part of the initial 12 but you think about what we have from him, the impact that those, uh, those verses, those scriptures have on our lives, to me is pretty amazing. And he, what he's doing in uh, Acts 3 is he's relaying Peter's message. We have the, the message we're very familiar with out of Acts 2, you know, with this call to repentance, uh, the fact that in Acts 2, 22, that, you know, we're all responsible for the death of Christ and what that looks like. And obviously, to step into a right relationship with God, we need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. And then in Acts 3, he's going after the religious leaders of his day, going after the Jews specifically. And then this is his second sermon. It's a pretty amazing sermon. Some similarities, especially this call to repentance and getting back into a right relationship with God, back to the right walk with God and with Jesus Christ. And just as we've seen with the Jews throughout the Bible, is it possible for Christians to kind of uh, get off track, lose their way a little bit? Of course. And that's where I love the scriptures and the relationships because we need those reminders of what we all signed up for, the purpose that we embrace, and really just the basics of Christianity. 
So it's awesome to take a moment, just really think that through. Now, um, when you have tech issues, like a computer or phone problem, what's uh, one of the things that you can resort to to get things back up and going again? Yeah, reboot, reset, you know, hard reset. And sometimes, as Christians, that's something we need. During, or you call Marshall Craig, you know, I mean. But during the past few years, really, it's amazing what all of us have gone through. Uh, Many have become battle-weary. Many have become disheartened. Many are fighting the wrong battle these days. You know, there's even been situations where we have disciples that are caught up fighting and backbiting each other instead of fighting the spiritual force behind it, which ultimately is Satan, the author of lies and disunity. And you know, it's interesting, I was just thinking about this as I was putting this together, we don't talk a lot about the devil. We don't talk a lot about Satan. But, you know, don't we have a study that kind of deals with the uh, contrast that we have in this world? I mean, if you've got a God and a Christ that are light, what's the opposite of that? There's darkness. And I think the reality of it is we have these demonic forces that we have to contend with on a daily basis, and we need to talk about it. I mean, some of these distractions today include vaccination wars, the wars on climate change, the wars on conservatives, the war on liberals, all all these things tearing down the ecclesia, tearing down the church. And remember, while this is all going on, the evil one can push forward with his evil plans and agenda, and he continues his strategy to infiltrate and destroy our Christian foundation. The family unit, corporate worship, the church, as well as our individual walk with God. Now, you know, we can, uh, I think we can all agree over the last couple of years that we've seen some unprecedented events. And, you know, I got the AC at 64 degrees and I ain't buying it for a minute. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, think about some of the things that we've seen. We've seen lockdowns, we've seen countries lock down their borders. States lock down their borders, not letting people in or out. Global socialism's on the rise. This controlling intrusion into our lives of big tech and big pharma, big government, government control. You know, the Great Reset is promoted by the World Economic Forum. These are just a few of the recent events which don't even include our personal lives, our marriages, our relationships with other family members, relationships with our children. Our parents, grandparents. On that note, I need to digress for a minute. It is absolutely amazing what parents will do for the kids, right? I think it applies to grandparents and what they'll do for their grandbabies. Cadence just started a school at Valley Christian, and they had a grandparent appreciation day, which started at uh, 12.30 in the afternoon, 1.30 in the afternoon for an hour. We went back, went, you know, followed around school, and needless to say, you guys know what the weather's been like. Then they had a Harvest Fest, and we figured we'd pass on that. Um, But they had a football game for the high school. So all the cheerleaders in elementary, middle school, and high school, I kid you not, there were about 150 of them. They literally covered the entire length of the field. But then we went and endured, well, actually, watched a football game because she was going to be performing in the halftime show. 
So, you know, they get them all lined up out there and the whole bit and the music starts and uh, 20 seconds later, it's over. And I'm thinking, what the heck? We spent all this time in the rain, the heat and the humidity and we get 20 seconds? She was very appreciative. And the other, grand, the other grandparents were there, so of course we had to be there, right? Anyway, but you know, thinking through all these things, there's so many things vying for our attention. There's so many distractions out there. And I think sometimes we can lose sight of God's great vision for his church, his planet Earth, the kingdom on Earth. And, you know, I think with that, what is God's vision that we can sometimes lose sight of? What is God's vision? What's his desire for each and every one of us, his children? What is it we're being distracted from? You know, it's interesting in this passage in uh, Acts 3, for years I've focused on Peter's words to the Jews in Acts 3, following the healing of an individual who, who was paralytic. He, was, uh, he, had, he just couldn't move around. And the, there was this question about the healing, you know, where, how they did it, where it came from. So Peter takes the opportunity to point back to God, which is what we all need to do. We need to point back to Christ when it comes to our lives, what we've had the opportunity to overcome, what we've been restored to in light of God's ultimate vision for each and every one of us. And there's this, in the passage, it talks about this time of refreshing. So Peter again declares that the miracle that took place was done in the name of Jesus. And then he goes on in Acts 3, 17, verse 22. Yay. Acts 3, 17, verse 22. He says, and now, brothers, I know that you did, in, did it in ignorance. And when he's talking about the, the trial, the crucifixion, everything that went down with Jesus Christ. So he says, I know that you did it in ignorance, just as your leaders also did, this condemning of Christ. In verse 18, he said, what God predicted through the mouth of all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer he has fulfilled it in this way, which this is an amazingly huge stumbling block for the Jews as well. And that how can you have the Messiah, this King of Kings, come to earth and go through what he went through? The suffering, the pain, just dealing with the emotional and physical frailty that we have as human beings. But God, that was God's plan. And they just could not believe, they could not fathom, to get behind the idea that a Messiah would come to suffer. Huge stumbling block. And then in verse 19, part of this that many of us are familiar with, it says, Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20, And that he may send Jesus who has, become, has been appointed for you as Messiah. Heaven must welcome him until the time of the restoration of all things which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophets from the beginning. What is verse 21 talking about here? Heaven must welcome him until the time of the restoration of all things. You know, it's, it's, it's been amazing to me that we see that God has a time that's going to take place where there will be this restoration of everything in this world back to the perfection of its starting point. For 32 years, I've been a Christian, and I can't believe how I've missed the significance of the repentance Peter is talking about here, which ultimately will usher in this restoration of all things. Now, when we think about restoration, what comes to mind? Anybody? 
Did somebody say car? That was the first one that popped in my head. And there's a few others too, as my wife knows because she edited my notes. But uh, you guys all need to be grateful for that. You, you can see I can be tangential from time to time. This definitely keeps me on point. So, you know, this, this idea of restorations, there's homes that are restored, there's cars that are restored. Um, so this idea of restoration in this passage can be under, understood as the restoring of all things to perfection, back to the starting point, back to when they were new, fresh, undamaged. And how amazing is that? Think about this for a minute. Being made perfect, being brought back to our starting point. Now, one of the other things that came to mind for me is, you know, yeah, you go back about 30 years, and I had a, a lot more flowing locks. Uh, going back about 20 years, the waist size is probably a good three or four inches uh, smaller than it is right now. Um, there's not a whole lot of separation going on right here at all. There's an ab. I definitely would not talk about it in the plurality. Uh, it does not fall within the realm of abs right now. It is so much work getting back there, too. But, you know, these are, these are some of the things that we can think about. Um, you know, knees that actually work, shoulders that don't lack up, the pain that can be associated with some of that. But on a, on a more serious note, thinking back about the vows I made when I got married, within, within just a few years how those vows were violated. Things that I swore up and down I would never do to my children that I did. Abusive language, uh, discipline out of anger. And I, I'm just praising God for having been ushered into the kingdom when I was, and that Stephen was five years old at the time, Shailene was two and a half, and it kept me from doing more damage than I had already done. And I'm grateful for that. It gave me the ability to break the chains of my youth and the abuse that I grew up with. And we know that abuse, those that are abused tend to be abusers. I mean, that's just kind of things how things play out without Christ. Not that it changes everything and everything's hunky-dory from that point forward, but it gave me a point of reference and things that I was able to change because of that. So we even go deeper and we look at this from a standpoint of the spiritual realm, thinking back to the garden, man and woman were made perfect by the hands of God. They were perfect, made by the hands of God. And they had a perfect relationship with God. I mean, how many of you ever think about what it must have been like to actually walk in the garden with God? I know I, I do. It just, it, that, 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 it almost, it's one of those things conceptually, it's almost impossible to get my head around. But how amazing that must have been. And, you know, and then with that, we know where things went in the garden. And there's a time that's coming where God is going to restore everything in the world back to that perfection of its starting point. And think about it, only God could execute such an amazing, incredible plan. Our loving, merciful, gracious, faithful Father, only God could do something like this. So when it comes to restoration, the best place to start is by asking, how did we get to the point where restoration is so desperately needed? I think to answer the question, we need to go back to the opening words of Genesis 1, verse 1, which tell us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this declaration is then followed by the, the details of this incredible six-day creative process. You know, light, water, fish, birds, lizards, animals, 
culminating on the sixth day with the creation of man. And as God finished this great work, we are told in Genesis verse 31, then God said, everything that he had made, or saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Notice it wasn't just good, which with each culminating day, that's how it ended. This was good, that was good, this and the other was good. And then man came. He made man. And he was so incredibly pleased. And this was a place where sin was nowhere to be found when it comes to our first parents, Adam and Eve. They lived in harmony with one another, and they lived in harmony with their maker. And that was a starting point. But this original perfection wasn't something that would last. You know, I really need, church, we need to really listen to this and understand this. In Genesis 3, we're introduced to this powerful angel who later was named Satan, who in exercising his own defiant will came to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. And through deception and lies, he cast doubt on the goodness of God and God's love for them. And this lying temptation resulted in this disobedience and this loss of this perfect, intimate relationship with God. I mean, again, imagine for a moment, having had that, what would it be like to lose it? And that's the state that we were in prior to making Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. It's a means of regaining some of that, stepping back into that, being able to have that intimate one-on-one relationship with God. You know, we later learned that Satan had been the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He was in Eden, the garden of, of God, where inequity was found in Satan, nowhere else. Ezekiel 28 gives us some background and some imagery regarding this. And from that time, things were no longer good in any sense. And when God came near his creation, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And again, up to that point in time, it had been this perfect environment of the Garden of Eden. They had unfettered access to the tree of life whose fruit produced longevity, regeneration. And, you know, and this isn't to be confused, obviously, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were told not to consume, and they did, and that was the beginning of the end when it came to that intimate, intimacy with God. So now because of their disobedience, there's this banishment from the blessing and this devastating uh, judgment. Universal mortality would come upon both man and animal at that point. And this was the start of the sad history of human sin and its subsequent judgment. Not such a great beginning, and you know, I hate to tell you, it didn't get good anytime quick after that. As we uh, move forward to Genesis 6, as generations passed, the sin of the vast majority of the ancients was so widespread that the Bible declares the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So we have this proliferation of sin in God's once perfect creation, which ultimately resulted in the worldwide flood that most of us are familiar with when it comes to Noah and what God's commission was to Noah and ultimately the end of life as men knew it at that point in time. You know, with that, uh, we know eight survivors, right? I mean, there were eight people, no one in his family who survived this cataclysmic event. Nevertheless, as the survivors spread out to form a new world, it wasn't long again before sin made its way in and they reached new heights under the leadership of Noah's grandson, or excuse me, great-grandson, Nimrod. 
We don't have any Nimrods in the group, do we? <laughs> Guys, the Holy Spirit, I, I don't know what the significance is of the name. I'm sure there's something in there, but I, I do remember at one point in time, somebody telling me not to be a Nimrod. I didn't understand the significance, and now I understand it a little bit better. But anyway, in Genesis 10, we're told about Nimrod. He was this mighty one on the earth, a mighty hunter. And the beginning of the, his kingdom was Babel in the land of Shinar, verses 8 through 10 of Genesis 10. And some translations go on, go on to say that they suggested he was the world's most powerful leader at that point in time. And honestly, based on the kingdoms that he founded, uh, Babylon and uh, Assyria, we know the influence that those empires had on the face of the planet. In verse 4 of Genesis 11, in league with his people, they built this tower that would act as a symbol of the emerging power, might, energy, money, everything that they had. And the whole purpose behind it, in verse 4, was it says, they, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, what was God's hope for his people, which he stated on multiple occasions? What did he want them to do with the world? He wanted them to multiply and fill the world, right? So we have these guys now that are like, you know, we need to build this tower. We need to pull together. We need to just focus on what's going on here. So this was, by their actions, this was a direct contradiction to God's command to fill the earth. They declared that they didn't need or want God to rule over them. And in response, God dealt with it. He dealt with the rebellion and the pride by confusing the language, stopping their city building. And lo and behold, they went out to do what he wanted them to do, whether they wanted it or not. It says he, that he scattered them over the face of the earth. So as uh, millennia passed, only a remnant continued to seek out a relationship with God. But God had a plan for redemption and the ultimate restoration of his creation, the restoration of all things. He chose a, a race of people to represent him before the nations, the Jews. And as the centuries passed through these people, God sent Jesus, the Messiah, to atone for mankind's sin and reconcile us back to him, restoring us to a right and perfect relationship, this union with God. Amen. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and his present intercession at the right hand of the Father, he brought life and relationship to millions over these past 2,000 plus years. So as Jesus sent as the Redeemer, our Messiah, we have the opportunity to be restored to that holy place, this amazing, beautiful, intimate place with God our Father and eternal life with him, this life of shalom. Amen? Amen. Now, my hair, my six-pack, or lack thereof, uh, when it comes to whatever it is that you might like to be restored, um, think about it. I mean, you know, hair, whatever. Um, Abs, whatever. I mean, the bottom line is it's all going to turn to dust. It's all going to burn at some point in time anyways, right? So what should we be focused on other than these things that fade away or burn? Ultimately, we will be left with eternity, right? It's just a matter of where we're going to spend that eternity. And the right eternity is the thing that is being ushered in by God through the restoration of all things. But not all have accepted Jesus. And as a consequence, Satan's influence is still something that continues to increase in the world on a daily basis. 
you know, when ultimately this is why Peter's second sermon to the Jewish leaders of the day is this call to repentance. Jesus will come with great power and glory. His enemies will be destroyed. But the thing that's interesting about this, it's not with force, but as God's humble servant. I love this, this quote from Chris Hall out of uh, Jesus for President. So one of, the, one of the authors, again, of Jesus for President, it was co-written. Jesus humbled himself and didn't take charge by force. He's a mover of world history as a lamb, not as a conqueror. To be a Christian is simply to follow suit. You know, this, this is where I can get off track sometimes and feel like if I see an injustice, it's on me to correct. And, and there's instances where I make God so small based on my emotional response to things. And it's just good to have this reminder that Jesus is going to fight those battles for us, but not in the way that we would fight them. I mean, that's one of the issues with the world today, right? Yeah. To be a Christian is to simply follow suit. We are to live as Christ lived, to die as Christ died, and resist evil as Christ resisted evil. And this ultimately will help us usher in this restoration of all things as we strive to imitate Christ and walk as Jesus walked. Amen. I want to bring up something. I think as we're thinking about hitting the reset button in restoration, I feel you guys have done an amazing job navigating the pandemic over the last few years and all the challenges and situations that came out of that. And it's, it's great to look around and see that we were pretty close to filling this place on Sunday mornings. But one of the things I think that we do need to ask ourselves is when it comes to this gift of salvation that we've been given, the understanding of what the impact of Jesus Christ had on our lives through repentance and this amazing gift and this, this, this mentality about being citizens of heaven. It seems like we've got to be careful that we're not keeping it to ourselves. This may come as a surprise, but I want you to think, actually do this. Take a look around everybody in here. I want you guys to look at each other for a minute. I mean, there's, there's some great-looking people out there, right? And most of you aren't as sweaty as I am, which is a plus. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Guys, we have shared this good news, and we've helped God usher in a brother by the name of Josh into our fellowship. And that's an awesome thing. But I look at each and every one of you, most of which I know your families of origin. I know what you've overcome. I know how you've been blessed. You think we'd have a little bit more impact over the course of eight months that we've had one person come into the kingdom of God? And I, I think it is time to hit the reset button. We need to be so, we need to, we need to eliminate the distractions and the focus we have on political parties and end times and all this other garbage knowing that guys it is all going to burn it is all going to end but are we even going to be a, the right part of that equation without a personal reset we know what we've been called to we have most of you here have amazing sphere of influences if you've got kids pta and teacher conferences sports there's so many places where you can build relationships. Yeah. If 
you're in school, you have a sphere of influence, there's other students. And I, I think what we've got to ask ourselves today, are we ashamed of what we are and what we have as Christians? It's easy to say no. Our conduct says something else. Restoration becomes a reality for the people of God. John wrote in Revelations 21.1, this is what we all want to be a part of, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We have that opportunity. We know that's coming. But who, we, who else are we letting know about it? And what an amazing time to have an amazing impact. When, I mean, I don't know about you, if I woke up in the morning as a non-Christian without the ability to rely on Christ and the others that are in my life, that might be the case with some of us. I, I don't suffer from depression. Over the last couple of years, it slipped in there. But I had the ability to deal with it because of people kind of coaching me on out of it. You know, I mean, I don't even know if you can imagine what it was like as a minister to navigate these waters, all the polarity, even within our fellowship, trying to keep the peace, trying to redirect people back to God. One of the most challenging times in my entire 64 years on the face of this planet. But we've been blessed with so much. And I so love the example of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East. I mean, last two years, they've had more fruit than they have in the last 10 they didn't complain about Zoom. They utilized Zoom. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm a, I complain about Zoom. I hate being on that screen. <laughs> I'd much rather be able to give hugs and see all you guys in person, especially when, you know, you're hearing all the stuff you're hearing as a minister about, well, we don't, why don't we do this? And why are we doing that? And how come this is going on? Whatever else is taking place. And all these distractions rather than taking the opportunity to let people know Vaccination wars, masks, all the other garbage that's going on, it doesn't matter. Imagine being alone in a hospital, dying of COVID, and never having heard the good news. And we have the ability to change that in people's lives. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You know, with these words, we're reminded of the original creation. We're introduced to this perfect, restored new world with God again dwelling with man. The new Jerusalem will descend from heaven and restoration will move towards its ultimate completion. You know, Adam and Eve, in their state before the fall, had a full life, free from terrible destruction and pain, free from separation from God, which they ultimately brought on themselves. But now in, in this eternal state, God will restore the perfection as it continues in Revelation. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This will all take place in this incredible, almost indescribable city of God. You know, I, I love the imagery in Revelations. You know, one of the things it talks about there is another incredible display of God's restoration is seen in the, the trees of life growing beside the river of life coming from the throne. In Revelations 22, verses 1 through 2, and just understanding that as Adam was barred from the tree because of his sin, but now in the restoration of all things, the leaves of the tree will be the healing for all nations. 
So as we sit here today, as we hopefully hit the refresh button, we can properly line up all the distractions and garbage that cloud our vision of God and keep our hearts far from God and ultimately set up this life separate from God. That's where it can go. That's where the drift can take us if we're not careful. In doing so, by hitting that reset button, we can take all this junk, all this garbage, and toss it in the recycle bin where it belongs and move closer to this restoration of all things as we walk with God here on earth and we look forward to a future with God in heaven. Final quote here regarding our future from Dallas Willard in The Divine Conspiracy says, we must be sure to add, however, that our continued existence is not primarily for our benefit, but God's. I mean, it's kind of heavy. You know, I, mean, I like being here. I, I like, you know, what's going on in my life. Granddad, you know, pop, pop. I mean, it's an amazing chapter right now. But it's not for me. It's for God. God wanted it. So, again, we must be sure to add, however, that our continued existence is not primarily for our benefit, but God's. It's not just because we would like to continue to be but that he decides to continue to put up with us. Rather, he's made a great, often terrifying investment in individual human beings as well as in corporate humanity. What was that terrifying investment? Imagine as a father witnessing the death of your own child knowing that that is going to be the very thing that unifies each and every one of us with him. That's the terrifying extreme as a dad he was willing to subject himself to and his son to so that we would be able to participate in this restoration. It's amazing restoration. Needless to say, it is something God regards as well worth the effort. And he is not about to lose that result by permitting human beings to cease to exist. Ancient prophecy says in Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 11, the Lord decided his servant would suffer as a sacrifice to take away the sin and guilt of others. Now the servant will live to see his own descendants. He did everything the Lord had planned. By suffering, the servant will learn the true meaning of obeying the Lord. Although he's innocent, He will take the punishment for the sins of others so that many of them will no longer be guilty. We exist and will continue to exist then because it pleases God. He sees that it is good. Dallas Willard. You know, this is something that's completely summed up in God's reply to Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. It reads, this is when he commissioned and dedicated the first temple to God. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. You know, this this restoration of all things, the reset, this is an amazing thing, an amazing opportunity. There's a few questions that uh, may want to take a, a picture of this slide. The question today is, are we in need of restoration? I would say yes. Do we need to hit the reset button? 
You know, it may be time to do just that. It's time to examine your relationship with God. How's your walk with God? And what areas are you in need of change, repentance, or a reset? And based on your biblical understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ, are you sitting at the feet of Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you following from a distance? You know, it's amazing that Josh has been added to the flock here. But how many more have actually maybe missed that opportunity? And guys, we all have moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, nieces, nephews. I mean, if we just look at it from a standpoint of our immediate familial unit, have we given up on those individuals? You know, and I, I get it. I mean, you talk to people, you bring it up, keep going after it. So there's those opportunities just there. And maybe that's where we need to go back to starting again. Amen? So, I mean, I don't know about you. My, my kids motivate me. My grandkids motivate me to, to be an example, to be connected, to communicate, to help them with visions and dreams for their own lives. And each and every one of us here has a story. Don't keep it to yourself. Talk about it. Share it. Share that good news. And I would imagine each and every one of us here, no matter where we're at today, how bad it is, we've got something that we can be grateful for. And with that gratitude, it's all God asks. We love him. Are we grateful for him? Are we grateful for what he was, that terrifying sacrifice that he was willing to endure so we would have that opportunity to have a relationship with him? My prayer today and going forward is that we will all be excited about joining God when it comes to this great restoration of things and sharing this amazing gift with others. Amen. A story from somebody's life, so Ashka is going to come up and share her testimony right now. Set this mic up for her. Yo Pro's Oasis Ministry. <laughs> um, Red asked me to share how God has restored um, me throughout my life, um, which has kind of been my, the theme of my life as a disciple. Um, just when I think I've had enough, God is like, oh no, you don't. <laughs> um, well, for those of you that don't know, um, I'm a kingdom kid. Woo-woo for kingdom kids. Um, I grew up in the church. My mom was actually baptized when I was seven years old. Um, growing up in the church, I thought, I'm a good person. I go to church. I'm not doing crazy things that people do in the world. I'm good, right? I'm going to heaven. No. <laughs> um, but church was more like a checklist. I was just going through the motions, really, not really connecting with what I was learning at church. Um, but at the moment, I didn't really see that while I was studying the Bible, until I studied the Bible. Um, and I didn't even see that I was wearing a mask to come off as, well, I'm perfect. I don't struggle with nothing. Um, I started studying the Bible when I was 13. Um, I was nowhere near ready. I was just like, sure, you know, everybody else is doing it. <laughs> But the it also took for the people who were studying with me, the people kept changing. Regardless for different things, somebody got pregnant or whatever, like the people kept changing, so I had to keep starting over or whatever. But I really think that was God just showing me, you're not ready yet. <laughs> um, so he was already showing me that he knew better than me. 
Um, when finally I was 15, I came back from teen camp and I was so ready to get baptized. I was just like, let's do this. Um, I just felt like I needed God in my life and that being a disciple wasn't about ticking off a checklist. Um, it was about being vulnerable and real with God and you know, not coming off perfect. It's okay not to be perfect. Um, I still struggle with being vulnerable, so you know, this is really nerve-wracking to me. <laughs> um, the, the first three years of me being a disciple, I felt like me and God were in a honeymoon phase. I was like, this is great, nothing bad's happening, this is awesome, why would people be a disciple? Man. <laughs> um, in 2009, I graduated high school. I was on my way to CSUN, which is where I wanted to go. I was majoring in journalism. I was set for success. Um, the summer before I moved into the dorms, uh, I had found out that my great aunt had passed away. And it really shook me for, for a minute because I've never dealt with that kind of loss before. Um, so it really shook my faith. Um, but what followed four months later, I was never ready for. Um, for those of you who knew my grandma, um, she was a disciple. She was just an amazing person. Um, she was everything to me. Um, outside of my mom, she was probably the person I spent my childhood most with. Um, she was like my second mom, basically. Um, she always had medical problems, even when I was a little kid. Um, but I was so used to her going in and out of the hospital, and God would heal her, and she'd come home, and she was okay. But this time was different. Um, she was slowly getting worse and worse, and then came the time for us having to tell her goodbye. Um, and I just remember feeling so betrayed by God, and I lost the safeness that I felt in my relationship with him. I was angry at him for taking her away. And I still can struggle with that sometimes. Um, I didn't know how to handle that loss. It was just so profound and huge for me. And at the same time, trying to be strong for my mom, because at the same time, she lost her mom. <laughs> um, and so it just made me shut down, and I didn't want to talk about it at all. People were like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm OK. <laughs> um, so the next two years, I just kind of felt like I was existing. I went to class. I went back to my dorm, and I would go to sleep. That's pretty much it. Um, on the weekends, I was going home to be with my mom, um, but still going to church, it was like being on autopilot. I was just there. Um, but within those two years, I had also lost my uncle, my mom's oldest brother, and I just remember being like, man, God, really? <laughs> I just felt so alone, like God had left me, and he didn't care about me anymore. He was putting me through so much that I couldn't handle. Um, I remember walking back to my dorm from seeing my uncle, and I just broke down and telling God, I'm done living this life. If this is where it gets me, I, I don't want any part of this. Um, I was even planning on how I was going to tell the sisters who I lived with that I didn't want to go to church anymore. Um, looking back, it was totally God that at that time, one of my best friends was doing grief recovery. Um, and watching her go through it, I was like, oof. Dang, I should probably do it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I was just not ready to work through those feelings. Um, but at the end of it, she was like, Ashka, I really think you should do it. And I'm like, nah, girl. Mm -mm. Like, I just watched you do it. Not, no. <laughs> um, she kept pushing and pushing, and finally I was like, okay, I'll just go to the informational meeting. That's it. And when I tell you, it was like God having this neon sign, like, do this, do this. <laughs> um, 
was like, okay, it was so hard to make that choice, but I decided to do it. Toughest 10 weeks of my life, um, but 100% recommend it. Um, it's funny, I went into obviously graph my relation with my grandma and I ended up talking about a completely different one. Um, but at the same time, it still helped me to open up and really be real with God and how I just felt hurt by him. Um, but it really helped me start to heal with my own feelings in my relationship with him. Um, since then, I felt like um, my faith has been slowly restored through praying, talking to people that are closest to me, and just being real instead of holding it in or trying to put up a wall. And for those of you who know me, know I do that a lot. Um, at this point in college, I was on academic probation. I hated the major I was in. So I took some time off. I moved back home. And just need to be around people that knew how to support me and knew what I needed. Um, so I was going to El Camino, um, where I discovered I really wanted to be a teacher. So I started taking classes um, before I transferred back to a four-year. Um, I had already wasted three years at CSUN, so I was determined to be done as soon as possible. <laughs> um, I was at El Camino for two years. Then I transferred to Cal State Dominguez, go Toros. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Um, but even then, um, I found out it would be another three years, and I was just feeling so discouraged. I had wasted all that time. I was seeing people who started the same time as me finishing, um, and I was basically having to start from scratch. Um, I was mad at myself, mad at God, that my plan just was not working the way I had saw in my life. Um, but I was like, amen, we're going to do this. So I trudged along, and after the three years, I graduated in 2017. Um, <laughs> then I had two more years in my credential program, um, which was like, yay, more school. Um, <laughs> um, I was a TA at the point and really had fallen in love with teaching, and I was like, so excited to have my own classroom finally now that I was done. Well, the joke was on me because I finished my credential program in 2019, and we all know what followed. <laughs> um, schools went virtual. It wasn't the best time looking for jobs, um, at least for me. And I just felt like, really, God? Another obstacle. Like, I haven't been through enough in my life. Can't this just be easy? Um, I was extremely frustrated, and then it was like, I need money, obviously. My DoorDash wasn't going to pay for itself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but really, I didn't, I didn't know what to do, and then it was totally God. Kike approached me um, to ask me if I wanted to move in with her and help with Delapo. Um, and we all know how much I love that sweet boy. He's right there. <laughs> um... <laughs> My heart explodes every time he says Auntie Ashika, so I love him. Good stuff. <laughs> um, but as much as I enjoyed spending time with him every day, I still felt kind of like something was missing. Um, I still wasn't fulfilling what I wanted to do, career-wise. So I started looking again, and lo and behold, Davida had an opening at her school um, that she worked at. And I was like, all right, God, this is awesome. Animal work with a disciple, woo! My first interview was with Davida on the phone, which shockingly, I was very nervous. You would think like I would have been like, oh, I know her. No, it was very nerve wracking. She has a principal voice that she puts on and it's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, 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 I hear She's a boss lady. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have my second interview, it went great. 
Um, and I got the job, and I was like, yes, I'm in a classroom, finally! It's in a middle school, but that's okay, they're just bigger kids, right? Yeah, see, you guys already know. <laughs> well, a few months go by, and I realize I hate teaching middle school. <laughs> um, just the attitude from the kids just walking out, and just, it was just bad, you know? Um, and then on top of that, we had an admin who didn't care. It's not Davida, so don't look at her. Um, <laughs> um, he was just awful. Like, these kids didn't even know who he was because he just stayed in his office all day. But anyways, at this point, I'm coming home crying every day just because how unhappy I am. Um, I felt like I didn't have the time to do the things I loved. I was emotionally drained all the time. And I thought, God, I'm going to just hate me. Or I did something to deserve this. It was just bad. Um, and I was just tired of getting the shorter end of the stick. Um, I would pray, God, please help me get through this. I mean, June's a long way away. Um, there were moments I almost quit. Uh, literally, the week before school ended, I almost did. Um, and around this time, I had an interview with the Long Beach School District around that time, and I was so pumped, and I was ready for it, and I was like, yeah, get me out of here. Um, when I tell you everything that could have went wrong in that interview did, it was over Zoom. I've never had problems with my internet before, and my internet kept freezing, kicking me out of the meeting. Um, <laughs> the ladies who were interviewing kept cutting me off, like mid-sentence, trying to make sure they understood what I was trying to say, and I was like, just let me talk. Um, <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't feel great about it. Um, I bawled at night just thinking about how horrible it was and how I wasn't going to get past that stage, but God showed me again that he knew better because I heard back from the district a few days later. Um, yeah. Um, so then it was the waiting game for schools. I was extremely excited and relieved, thankful to God that this was happening. Um, and the first school that posted online that they were looking was a K through 12 school on Catalina Island. Um, my mom was really gung-ho about it. She's like, I think you should do it. Reach out to them. And I was like, I gotta wait for them to reach out to me. Like, hold on. Um, but the more I thought about it, I was like, that's really adventurous, taking a boat to work and back. Like, that's better than sitting on the freeway. <laughs> um, so I prayed about it, and I kept thinking um, what I wanted if I got it. Um, and I got a call to set up an interview at the school. Um, I thought it went well, not great, but good enough. Um, and it just so happened on the same boat that one of the ladies who interviewed me was coming back on the same boat as me, and she saw me, and she was like, just letting you know, we were really impressed by you. And I was like, wow. And I felt like that was God reminding me just breathe and trust. And I was like, yes. So I just really felt like in that moment, it restored my faith to trust in God. Um, he had gotten me this far. He wasn't going to leave me now. Um, and I got a week, I got a letter a week later um, to teach fifth grade. So already a plus because it was elementary school. Still not as young as I would have liked, but I was like, I'm going to take it. Um, it's been about two weeks since I had my first day, and I have really great kids. They're really sweet and just crack me up with their personalities and their ever-long stories. Parents, I know you know what I'm talking about. Those stories just go on forever. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like God has been with me on this journey, however many hills and valleys I've come across. Um, he has continually shown me that I'm stronger than I think I am. And I'm constantly reminded that when I want to quit, God's going to find a way to renew my faith and say, 
just wait, it's gonna be worth it. And he's gonna pull me even a little further along, even if it's not a lot. Um, a song that I always think of, and I always tell my mom, this is my theme song. It's actually by Whitney Houston, it's called I Didn't Know My Own Strength. If you haven't heard it, you should look it up. But some of the lyrics are, lost touch with my soul, I had nowhere to turn, I had nowhere to go, lost sight of my dream, thought it would be the end of me. Though I'd never make it through, I had no hope to hold on to, I thought I would break, I didn't know my own strength, and I crashed down, and I tumbled, but I did not crumble. I got through all the pain, I didn't know my own strength, survived my darkest hour, my faith kept me alive, I picked myself back up, hold my head up high, I was not built to break, I didn't know my own strength. My faith in God has kept me alive and holding on to so many dreams that still haven't been answered thus far, with God, but he always shows he has a plan. And it's scary to trust that plan. Trust me, I'm still working on it. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm just really excited for what's in store. I mean, even though it's been hills and valleys, I mean, I feel I'm on the top of a hill right now, so I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you for letting me share. <laughs> <laughs> and now I get to move on to something more nerve-wracking. I get to pray for communion. <laughs> so bow your head and close your eyes. Dear God, um, just thank you for how amazing you are, that even when we feel like we've lost hope, that we, we have hope in you. Um, even when it's that little glimmer of hope or we don't see it at all, that you're still there by our side, God, and I pray that we can remember that as we take communion and just thinking about that day when um, we made that commitment to become disciples and follow you um, wholeheartedly, and just the journey since then, how you've um, helped us to grow, um, things we have learned or are still learning, God, and I'm just super appreciative of that, and I love you, and Jesus' name pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 